before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. BetOnline continues to remain your number one place for all your betting needs and sports info as we head into the heart of Major League Baseball season. Head to their website or use your mobile device to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using our promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V. Bet online, where the game starts. Oh, yeah, everybody. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It easy podcast it's time for the memes of the weekend pod which is pretty much what i like to call monday podcast whenever it's just me talking here by myself because we like to have fun here on this podcast we kind of started this format like a year ago and i like keeping it up on mondays even though today is going to be uh i mean nothing serious it's not going to be like last week where i can't call it memes of the weekend Deshaun Watson lawsuit. It's going to be just heavy sports topics today on the memes of the weekend podcast. We're going to talk about the NBA. We're going to talk about Zion Williamson and uh, there's other stuff going on because this is the big transactional window. I guess the other part is like other than like Goran Dragic signing with the the Chicago Bulls or Jalen Smith returning to Indiana, or I guess like Malcolm Brogdon going to Boston in exchange for Boston's like 7 through 12 on their team. Like other than that, there hasn't really been any major transactional news this weekend. So most of this stuff is Friday after we recorded the Kevin Durant and other subsequent basketball-related segments on the show. So... Yeah, it's mostly just a memes of the weekend Friday where we're also talking about stuff that kind of happened on Saturday, but most of it happened on Friday because that was day two of NBA free agency and everyone got some big contracts. And of course, the big trade, which is where we're going to begin today's show. We're going to start with the big trade, which was the what the I mean, kind of the a little bit bigger than DeJounte Murray getting traded, but in the last three years, the, I guess, fifth best player to get traded in the NBA, and I guess that doesn't include a DeMar DeRozan sign-in trade that was a little convoluted and complicated, but basically this is the fifth biggest trade in the NBA of the last three years. That includes two James Harden trades. Rudy Gobert got traded to the Minnesota Timberwolves, and that means we get to play our Minnesota Timberwolves parody song, which might be my favorite in the entire world, set to the song of the man by the killers, but it's the Ant-Man, and the Ant-Man is getting the Stifle Tower, and they somehow got to keep D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, and I'm excited for the loser Timberwolves to actually have a good team. If you've been listening to the show for like three months, you know that during the very early stages of the playoffs, we fell in love with the Minnesota Timberwolves here because I love rooting for losers. 
this is my way of being a sports fan outside of doing the analysis type stuff and not caring about sports. I love rooting for minor league franchises that happen to exist in pro sports. San Diego Padres didn't make the playoffs in my entire childhood. Sacramento Kings are my adopted team here, and I grew up rooting for the baby Lakers. I rooted for the Chargers, and then the Chargers left, and that was the end of that story. But I just love actually pouring emotional investment in losers and when I saw the Minnesota Timberwolves throwing those jerseys and crying and Patrick Beverly and Aunt Edwards jumping up on the table I knew that was a team that I wanted to be on the bandwagon for I wanted to root for the losers who celebrate the play-in harder than some teams celebrate winning a championship that's the team I want to be a part of and it inspired me to make this parody song Antler Joss score. the ball slipped out his hand, Cat and them boys, they won't give a damn, they cheer playing games, like they just won the crown, nothing can bring, can bring Minnesota down, the Ant-Man drives down, D, D-Lo's gotta kick, D-Lo's gotta kick it out, the Ant-Man's 21. And no, no, nothing can break. You can't break him down. Twelve years in the tank. Bed flops like a plank. We got news for you, baby. And Edwards is the man. Two years in the game. And he's a household name. We got news for you, baby. And Edwards is the man. When it comes to Wiggins, they never learned. And then Jimmy Butler left all the kids burned. The only way they get talent is the top of the draft. Torian Prince and Malik Bees Lee, the Ant Man's 21. No, no, nothing can break. You can't break him down. 12 years in the tank. Bev flops like a plank. Got news for you, baby, and Edwards is the man. Cat's shot, make it rain. GM's affairs in the way. Got news for you, baby, and Edwards is the man. The Ant-Man, the Ant-Man, the Ant-Man, the Ant-Man. Who's the man with the plan? The Ant-Man. The Ant-Man, the Ant-Man, the Ant-Man, the Ant-Man. Who's the man with the plan? The Ant-Man. The Ant-Man. The Ant-Man. Twelve years in the tank. Bev flops like a plank. Got news for you, baby, and Edwards is the man. Fifteen years away. I'm headed to the Hall of... Fame. Got news for you, baby. And Edwards is the man. So the Minnesota Timberwolves sent out five first-round picks 
to acquire Rudy Gobert. And we're going to do this podcast sometime later in the week, but I concocted the NBA trade value cheat sheet based on the 9 to 10, really 10 now, 10 all-star caliber players or quote-unquote impact players uh, in the sport that have been traded in the last three years. So you know how we organize NBA stars into the super-duper star tier, tier one generational stars, uh, tier two, tier three, and tier four stars. You know, tier two is your guys who under the best of circumstances can win an NBA championship like Jason Tatum, best of circumstances, number one defense in the sport can win an NBA championship or at least come within two games of winning an NBA championship. Uh, John Morant, Jimmy Butler, those types of guys. Your tier three stars are people who you like pencil into the all-star game and don't necessarily think twice when you're filling out your all-star ballot every year. This is like what I think of as like 12 to 24 or 12 to 25 in terms of NBA stars. And then you have the tier four guys, which are every now and then they'll make an all-star team. They're impact players. And if you're going to win a championship, they should probably be either your third or your fourth best player. And about 10 of those guys have been traded in the last uh, three years now. It, there's a whole value chart that I figured out. We'll do that on another podcast. But basically, Rudy Gobert is a tier three star. You know, Rudy Gobert is someone who makes the all star team every single year. And when he doesn't make the all star team, we all ask, why the hell didn't Rudy Gobert make the all star team? And now he's been an all star every single year for three consecutive seasons now. Rudy Gobert is, how old is Rudy Gobert now? Rudy Gobert's 20, or sorry, no, he's just turned 30 literally last week. So Rudy Gobert is 30 years old. He's made three consecutive all-star teams. He's a tier three star, the maybe the best defensive player of a generation in the NBA. And his offensive game is the reason why he's not <laughs> Dwight Howard in his prime. You know, his, his offensive game is not exactly the strongest in the world. And so Rudy Go, although he can dunk the ball like crazy and catch lobs like nobody's business, but Rudy Gobert gets traded for the equivalent of five first round picks to the Minnesota Timberwolves. They also traded Malik Beasley and uh, Pat Beverly, which I was really hoping it would be Torian Prince and Malik Beasley, just like uh, I said in the song. The problem is now, yeah, Beverly's not going to make sense anymore, and uh, Torian Prince, I guess Torian Prince, is he still on the Timberwolves? But Malik Beasley got traded uh, to the Utah Jazz, so they're no longer there. Torian Prince is still a Timberwolf, so Torian Prince still makes sense when uh, singing the song. But basically, they gave up the 22nd pick in last year's draft, or the draft that happened a week ago. I think his name is Walker Little, and they also gave up 2023, 2025, and 2027 first-rounders unprotected, and a 2029 first-round pick. And while the value chart suggests that a tier three star is worth what Rudy Gobert got, everyone saw that and was like, wow, that's kind of a surprising trade. And, you know, Rudy Go everyone was reposting the Brian Windhorse clip where he's like, Utah is up to something. And I'm not going to do it because you can literally go anywhere on Twitter and type in Brian Windhorst and you can find the, the clip of that video. But uh the Utah Jazz did end up negotiating that trade and got five first round picks for Rudy Gobert and their plan is to keep Donovan Mitchell 
and build whatever team they can around Donovan Mitchell. Or maybe if you believe, uh, I forgot what the guy's name is, but it's he, he covers the Suns and does Suns postgame. But he's like, there's a Kevin Durant, Donovan Mitchell, and DeAndre Ayton three-team trade in the works. And, you know, there's different rumors floated around. But it's going to take two weeks before the Kevin Durant trade actually gets consummated into effect. Because, uh, you know, Brooklyn's going to take their sweet time to make sure that they get that trade absolutely correct and that they have all possible offers out there on the table but what's interesting about the Rudy Gobert trade is this was something that years ago was being forecast we did a podcast on the first day that sports return not the first day sports return the first day that the NBA returned from their four-month pause during the COVID lockdowns it was day one of the bubble The first game was, I believe, New Orleans and Utah. And there was a story that came out that day about how the relationship between Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell was strained in the aftermath of Donovan Mitchell uh, getting testing positive for COVID after Rudy Gobert was the first person to test positive for COVID and it shut down the NBA. And then Donovan Mitchell, who was next to Rudy Gobert the whole time, also tested positive. And this was the very first month of COVID, so spending the entire two weeks in COVID isolation. And there was a strained relationship there. And uh, there was the thing that came out this year that Donovan Mitchell only passed the ball to Rudy Gobert three times in four games during the, the Dallas Mavericks series. That is just his offensive liability in like ability to create plays outside of lobs or inside five feet of the basket, that inability to score was something that um, was, was something that was bothering Donovan Mitchell or felt like Donovan Mitchell couldn't get the ball to Rudy Gobert down inside. And 2021 clearly was the end of the road for the Utah jazz. Now they should have, I, I will still argue they should have traded any amount of picks and Bogdanovich's, and Jordan Clarkson's in order to acquire Bradley Beal. And they should have gone all in on trying to build Mike Conley, Bradley Beal, uh, D- Donovan Mitchell, and Rudy Gobert. And and like concoct a team where like, uh, we, we mentioned Mike Conley, who's, you know, barely a tier four guy now. He's not really that anymore. But once upon a time, Mike Conley was a, a tier four fringe all-star kind of guy. And um, you know, that that's a nice piece to have, but it's better if he's your fourth best player than he is your third best player, especially if your two best players are both tier three stars like Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell are both perennial all-stars, and that's good enough to get you to the first and second round of the playoff every single year like the Utah Jazz had, had been doing. The Utah Jazz two years ago were talking about, how we did a podcast based on this that was like, how do you transition from Gobert to Mitchell being the face of the organization. Either Rudy takes it with grace and becomes the guy who's second to Mitchell. It's Mitchell Gobert, not Gobert Mitchell. And either he takes it with grace or it ends up being a breakup because if Donovan Mitchell wanted Rudy Gobert gone and was willing to stake his claim on I want Rudy Gobert gone, then he could have used that power. He had more power over the organization than Rudy Gobert did, and this was something that was talked about in the aftermath of Quinn Snyder leaving. 
Uh, I forgot. I think his name is Andy Slater or Andy Cohen. He covers the Utah Jazz for the Salt Lake Tribune, but he put out a great quote that was like, CAA's Donovan Mitchell had CAA's Woj put out a point that he was unhappy with the situation leading to Quinn Snyder departing as coach, even though we kind of knew for a while that Quinn Snyder was going to leave as coach. And so Donovan Mitchell was angling possibly to have creative arts agency uh, candidate Johnny Bryant or Johnny O'Brien get the head coaching job for the Utah Jazz. Now, it ultimately went to a guy named Will Hardy. And Will Hardy was working in San Antonio and then spent one year with the Boston Celtics. And now he's going to be a first-time head coach for the Utah Jazz. And if you follow the Windhorse trend, he's like Will Hardy, first-time head coach, similar to when Brad Stevens hired, um, or when Brad Stevens was hired by Danny Ainge in Danny Ainge's first year. Um, and Danny Ainge then in his first year in Utah hired uh, Will Hardy as his first-time coach, and they're going to tear this down, and boom, Rudy Gobert gets traded two days later to the Minnesota Timberwolves. And the Utah Jazz are looking at this situation and saying we are now all in on Donovan Mitchell it is Donovan Mitchell's team it is Donovan Mitchell being the face of the team or maybe they tear it all the way to the ground like I'm not saying that you know by the time this comes out Donovan Mitchell isn't going to be traded out of Utah like they they would it behooves them to at least listen to offers on Donovan Mitchell it's either we're going to tear this whole thing to the ground or it's going to be a couple of rough years but building around Donovan Mitchell and using those draft picks to acquire another star player down the road. You know, you now have five first round picks, four new rookies on the, or not four new rookies, three new rookies on the team. If you count their pick, Minnesota's guy, Walker Little, their second round pick, you've got those new players on the team. You still have Bogdanovich. You still have um, Jordan Clarkson. They just traded Royce O'Neal for another draft pick. So they now picked up seven. Maybe Donovan Mitchell gets traded before then as I'm talking this out. But the ultimate plan two years ago was how do we bridge this transition from Rudy Gobert to Donovan Mitchell? And it probably took a year longer than it should have with the general manager going. And then you put Danny Ainge in power. And then it's Quinn Snyder. And then it's Rudy Gobert. And this is how teams that didn't maximize their windows end up breaking up. The the classic case I think of is Portland where... In 2019, I was yelling at the top of my lungs, Portland, trade for Anthony Davis, trade McCollum, trade as many picks as you possibly can, go get Anthony Davis. It doesn't matter if he's not going to re-sign. Two years of Anthony Davis is absolutely maximizing your window of opportunity to at least compete for a championship with two playoff runs of Anthony Davis. The 2019 year, by the way, they ended up going to the conference finals anyways. So that was like maximize Damian Lillard's window by giving up anything and everything you have to to get Anthony Davis. And they didn't do that. I mean, obviously, Anthony Davis wasn't going to resign there, but they still could have made the trade anyways. And ultimately, Portland lost in the first round in the bubble, lost in the first round in 2021. GM or coach gets fired, Terry Stotts. They were there together for 10 years. Terry Stotts gets fired. General manager Neil Oshie gets fired, which that one was for toxic workplace. And three months later, they trade CJ McCollum. All within six months, it's coach Terry Stotts fired, general manager fired for toxic workplace, and CJ McCollum traded. 
And for Utah, the same pattern happened. It's Danny Ainge becomes the new president of basketball ops. And then a year later, Quinn Snyder leaves. And a month later, Rudy Gobert is traded. And now you're left with nothing that's going to be able to compete in the Western Conference. And I'm laughing at that because as Sacramento, I was yelling, Sacramento, get Duncan Robinson. They ended up getting the uh, obligatory white shooting guard of Kevin Herter. I was like, ah, oh, I should have thought of Kevin Herter. That, sh- that was a perfect obligatory white shooting guard. His nickname is literally Baby Clay Thompson. And you can put Baby Clay Thompson in Sacramento so you can just have the Walmart version of Clay Thompson playing for your team. But anyways, like as Sacramento, I'm looking up now and I'm like, ooh, they're one injury away from making the playoffs because San Antonio's tearing this shit to the ground. Utah's tearing this shit to the ground. OKC and Houston are not going to be good next year. You're one Utah injury or one Portland injury away from making the play-in tournament. Sacramento, you're getting a chance to get to the 10 seed or the 9 seed. But I'm looking at that, and, and maybe Utah ends up trading Donovan Mitchell, and they decide tear it all the way to the ground is the solution. And Mitchell isn't going to commit long-term, even though I think he's under contract for like two or three more years. Um but Donovan Mitchell can force his way out if Donovan Mitchell so chooses at this point. He's a 25-year-old star. Uh, he's got three years plus a player option on his contract. So, you know, he can force his way out. Maybe he won't get to pick the team that he plays for, but he can get out of Utah if he so chooses. But Utah's game plan, unless they get an offer they can't refuse, is to build around Donovan Mitchell. And I don't know if that's the most efficient strategy it's just going to be hard for Utah to find a player as good as Donovan Mitchell. And granted, they found Gordon Hayward with the 10 pick in the draft. They found Mitchell with the 13 pick in the draft. Like, they have the ability to find tier three stars. Maybe Gordon Hayward was a tier four star, but like all star caliber players, you can find them in the draft. And Utah's been able to find them. Hell, they traded uh, Denver, the pick that became Rudy Gobert. You can find those guys in the draft. It just looks like the this was two years in the making of how do we transition from Mitchell to Gobert and it probably should have happened a year ago they obviously signed Gobert to the long-term extension because they couldn't just let him walk away for nothing or a sign and trade where they get like 60 cents on the dollar I mean they just got five first round picks in exchange for Rudy Gobert and this is how teardowns work when you don't maximize your championship winning window and there was only so much Utah could have done in the first place Like, assume they trade for two years of Bradley Beal, and Bradley Beal leaves in free agency this year, and then Rudy Gobert gets traded, and you have the same result, but you just have, like, six less draft picks. Maybe you make one round deeper in the playoffs, and you have five or six less draft picks available at your disposal, and you know you're trading Donovan Mitchell now. Well, you might end up trading Donovan Mitchell anyways. So, yes, you get to prioritize the long-term future, but you also didn't maximize your winning window while you had an opportunity. And on the flip side, that seems to be what Minnesota is absolutely trying to do here because Minnesota is now paying $50 million a year for Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns signed a four-year, $228 million extension with the Timberwolves. They're paying $50 million a year for Carl Anthony Towns, and they're paying $42 million a year for Rudy Gobert. So that's 
75% of your salary cap going to those two players and uh, D'Angelo Russell's making close to like $28 million a year. So that's like right up to the cap number right there with just those players. And you can throw in, uh, what's his nuts, Ant Edwards, who, you know, he's years away from a contract extension. And I think that's what they're banking on is D'Angelo Russell's contract will have expired by then. So that'll be something that comes off the books and Ant Edwards can get an extension and all that stuff. But that Minnesota's going all in on we are going to put as much star talent as we can around Anthony Edwards and and it's weird because Carl Towns is the most productive scorer on the team and yet Anthony Edwards is the best player on the team and it's a really weird dynamic because Anthony Edwards is so young right now and the Minnesota Timberwolves now in year three are like let's speed this timeline along and let's give up all our draft picks to go all in on a tier three star and by the way, that's a really good move. That's a really, really, really good move by Minnesota. It's just unique because we've never seen something like that before. Uh, or We rarely see it. Jason Tatum did the same thing where he's immediately trying to compete at the top with you know the Boston Celtics already having Kyrie and having Gordon Hayward, and then by 2020, Tatum's the best player on the team, and it's the team that Danny Ainge had constructed when he drafted those players and all that stuff is interesting there. But the Minnesota Timberwolves now have four, three all-star caliber players and one D'Angelo Russell, who's made an all-star, probably tier four, tier five guy now, fourth best player on a team, good enough to win a championship as long as you have a top 10 player. Now the problem for Minnesota, they don't have a top 10 player. But this is the interesting thing about Minnesota. There was nothing they could do that was going to make them championship good right now. There was no possible trade Minnesota could make that would make them championship good unless they gave up Anthony Edwards and got like Kevin Durant as their number one, which is being reported was in the mix when Minnesota was negotiating with uh, the Brooklyn Nets, but they wouldn't give up Ant or Carl Towns in a trade, and then the deal kind of fell apart, and they went to get Rudy Gobert. And Minnesota is looking up right now and saying, if Anthony Edwards is as special a player as we think he is, we can win a championship with Anthony Edwards. If Anthony Edwards takes the next step to becoming a top 10 player in the NBA, in his third season, if he's a generational talent like Luka Doncic and like John Morant, we can compete in the Western Conference next year. Not win a championship, but we can compete at the top of the Western Conference next year. We can compete at the top of the Western Conference in 2024 because we have what the Utah Jazz didn't do back in 2021, where, yes, they traded for Mike Conley, but Mike Conley is their D'Angelo Russell. And if your two best players are Donovan Mitchell and Car- and uh, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, and Mike Conley's your third best player, you're good enough to make it to the second round of the playoffs. Case in point with Minnesota. Minnesota's best players are Ant Edwards, who's going to be an all-star eventually, but not right now an all-star, and Carl Anthony Towns, who's a perennial tier three star, all-star, etc. If... D'Angelo Russell is your third best player that's good enough to make the playoffs 
it's not good enough to make a deep run in the playoffs. Minnesota is going to be as good as Anthony Edwards is going to be. That's the point that you can point to with Minnesota is the question of like the stereotypical question of will Minnesota make the championship? Will Minnesota make the Western Conference Finals next year? Rudy Gobert is not going to solve that problem because Rudy Gobert is not best player on a championship team type of player. If that had been the case, Utah had done enough around Rudy Gobert to make it beyond the second round of the playoffs. And yes, Utah had some like abysmal playoff losses towards the end, but we've talked about this before. In 2017 with Gordon Hayward, they upset the Clippers and then lost to the, the in 2017 they lost to the 15 and 1 or 16 and 1 Golden State Warriors with Durant and Curry in their first year. Like no shame in losing that one. 2018 they lose to MVP James Harden, the team that would have won the championship if not for an 0 for 27 game 7 and a Chris Paul injury. Okay. No shame in losing in the second round there. They overachieved. Next year they lose to the Rockets again. The year after that, they lose to the Nuggets in the bubble, which was a little bit more of a, ah, we probably let that one slip away from us. We could have made the conference finals if we had just beaten Denver. Uh, The next year, they lose in the second round to Terrence Mann and the Clippers, and it's like, oh yeah, we should have made the conference finals that year. And then in last year, they should have made the second round of the playoffs, but then they lose to Luka and Dallas, and now it's over, you know, first round exit. They didn't maximize their winning window. They didn't put a team around Rudy Gobert that was good enough to be championship caliber good because Mike Conley is a great player he's just not he's a tier four star and you need a top 10 player in order to win a championship period in the NBA and that's why we conclude that like Rudy Gobert very good player not a top 10 player in the NBA not a tier two player he's a tier three player Donovan Mitchell is a tier three player and a volume scorer Carl Towns tier three player uh, Rudy Gobert, obviously now in the Timberwolves, tier three player. So you have tier three Carl Towns, tier three Rudy Gobert, D'Angelo Russell, who's made an all-star in the past. He's like a fringe all-star caliber player. If Anthony Edwards is also a tier three player, then the Minnesota Timberwolves will lose to teams that have superstars. If Anthony Edwards is a superstar, Minnesota is doing all of the right things in order to build a champion around Anthony Edwards being the best player on the team. Because last year, Anthony Edwards was the best player on the Timberwolves. Carl Anthony Towns was putting up volume numbers, but we saw in the playoffs when Carl Anthony Towns had that 10-point game or that 9-point game where he fouled out with like six minutes left to go. Carl Anthony Towns talks about being the best shooting three-point, best three-point shooting big in the history of the NBA, which is really valuable it just makes him a tier three star because his height ends up going to waste in some of these situations and so minnesota will be as good if we're talking about championship caliber good minnesota will be as good as anthony edwards takes them but here's the thing like there are top 10 players like ja morant where if jaron jackson jr and dylan brooks are your two best teammates no matter how good John ja Morant is, there's no guarantee that you can beat Golden State, Phoenix, or even Dallas. This is the same problem with Luka. Like, if Luka had been on the Timberwolves right now instead of the Dallas Mavericks, we'd be talking about them as a champion favorite right now. If it was Luka, Cat, Gobert, and D'Angelo Russell, 
and whoever else you want to put on the bench there with Torian Prince and Bryn Forbes and whoever else. Like, we're talking about that team as champion caliber, like favorites in the Western Conference. If Ant Edwards reaches, not even Luka level, but just reaches tier two caliber player, Minnesota will make deep playoff runs in the Western Conference. If Anthony Edwards becomes the general generational player that he's starting to look like, because he's going to turn 21, 22 next year, it's going to be his third year in the league. He's going to be 21 or 22, and he's going to make an all-star team next year in the Western Conference. Then that team is good enough to win not the Western Conference, but win a playoff series and take that step up that adding a player like Rudy Gobert does. And Minnesota is doing the right thing. They have the new general manager from the Denver Nuggets who built that team over the last 10 years and got lowballed by Stan Kroenke, and so he went to Minnesota. Minnesota is making all the right moves in order to build a great team around Anthony Edwards right now and and if I mean obviously Kevin Durant's the only option available and they just traded all those picks but if I were Minnesota I would contemplate if there was a star available like a Kevin Durant like a Jason Tatum like a Devin Booker and obviously those players aren't available right now I'd contemplate trading Anthony Edwards for one of those players if I mean Minnesota can't really do it anymore but if if your offer is Anthony Edwards and well they can't trade picks anymore but basically it's like if you could flip Anthony Edwards for Kevin Durant which I'm sure they can't but if you could flip Anthony Edwards plus for Kevin Durant I would absolutely consider that for Minnesota because you can maximize a winning window right now instead of waiting for Anthony Edwards to develop into a top 10 player it might happen next year and if that's the case they're going to have a Grizzlies type of leap but I think Carl Anthony Towns is a fully formed player. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Carl Anthony Towns takes a step up with the with having Rudy Gobert inside. This suggests more that Carl Anthony Towns is going to play on the perimeter, which probably means we're going to have more of the same Carl Anthony Towns from the past few years, which again is a all-star caliber player. Every single year make the all-star team. Tier three star, one of the fifteen to twenty best players in the NBA. And Rudy Gobert is going to be that defensive presence inside catching lobs and one of the 15 to 20 best players in the NBA. Both of them will be, unless they cannibalize each other's stats, both of them will be penciled into the all-star team next year. The problem for them is that they need to win at, to, to win at the highest levels. They just need a top 10 caliber player. They need someone who at the end of the game is, get me a bucket and I will get you a bucket. And Anthony Edwards is working towards being that player. He's just really, really young right now. And if Anthony Edwards takes a Ja Morant type of leap where Ja Morant won most improved player this last year, if, I mean, I think it's cheap when the second pick in the draft, who we know is going to be a superstar, wins most improved player, but to each their own. If Anthony Edwards wins most improved player next year, Minnesota will take the kind of leap that the Memphis Grizzlies took simply because they have all of that talent now built out around uh Anthony Edwards and they're making the right moves to put Anthony Edwards in a position to succeed and for him to become the superstar of the Minnesota Timberwolves that takes them to conference finals and NBA championships over the next three years but we'll see what Anthony Edwards looks like next year it'll be really interesting to see Minnesota made the right move Utah got equivalent value for a tier three star I think 
depending on the direction of where the Jazz want to go, everyone can end up being a winner coming out of this trade. Especially the Minnesota Timberwolves and those losers who actually are going to get a team that can compete at the highest levels of the NBA. Antler Joss Gore, the ball slipped out his hand. Cat and them boys, they won't give a damn. They cheer playing games, like they just won the crown. Nothing can bring, can bring Minnesota down. The Ant-Man drives down. D, D-Lo's got a kick, D-Lo's got a kick, get out. The Ant-Man's 21 and no, no, nothing can break. You can't break him down. 12 years in the tank, bed flops like a plank. We got news for you, baby, and Edwards is the man. Two years in the game, and he's a household name. We got news for you, baby, and Edwards is the man. When it comes to Wiggins, they never learned. And then Jimmy Butler left all the kids burned. The only way they get talent is the top of the draft. Torian Prince and Malik Bees Lee, the Ant Man's 21. No, no, nothing can break. You can't break him down. 12 years in the tank. Bev flops like a plank. Got news for you, baby, and Edwards is the man. Cat's shot, make it rain. GM's affairs in the way. Got news for you, baby, and Edwards is the man. The Ant-Man, the Ant-Man, the Ant-Man, the Ant-Man. Who's the man with the plan? The Ant-Man. The Ant-Man, the Ant-Man, the Ant-Man, the Ant-Man. Who's the man with the plan? The Ant-Man. The Ant-Man. The Ant-Man Twelve years in the tank Bev flops like a plank Got news for you baby and Edwards is the man Fifteen years away From headed to the Hall of Fame Got news for you baby And Edwards is the man All right, so there were about five $200 million extensions in the NBA, maybe six if you count Darius Garland. There were about six $200 million contract extensions in the NBA as soon as the new league year changed over and we had the free agency period open, which meant people could sign extensions, and you had Devin Booker get a four-year contract and get to be on the cover of NBA 2K23, which I saw people were like clowning that, but I was surprised. I was like, Devin Booker's a really good player. It's not like superstars are the only ones who can end up on the the cover of NBA 2K. I was a little bit surprised by the outpouring of disdain for Devin Booker being on the cover, but you have 
Devin Booker getting 200 mil. You have John Morant getting 200 mil. You had Jokic getting $264 million and Bradley Beal getting 241 mil and Zach Levine getting 240 something million dollars. And I guess you also had Zion and you had Jarius Garland. So I guess there was like seven or eight 200 plus million dollar contracts that were handed out over the weekend. And I was thinking of putting this whole story in the context of all eight of them. And I was thinking about that because it's weird that you have so many people signing the long-term extensions. But then I went back and thought about like Westbrook signed it and Harden signed it and John Wall signed the big extension. And so, I mean, even Deer and Fox got 180 million a couple years ago. So this is more normal than I'd probably like to suggest and, and making it be a referendum on like the dollar values have gotten to be so high and the structures are such that it's impossible to turn down the money. And so you have to sign the contract and the money is more important than specifically the situation that you end up in. And you can still hold your power and say, I won't report to this place, but if you're a player of Darius Garland's power or Zach Levine's power, you're kind of going to get traded wherever you get traded to. And, and the only way to actually trade Levine now is to swap one of these gigantic contracts. So this is not necessarily a referendum on like why I don't think players are moving around as much as they used to or all that stuff. Like I, I think that this is probably more normal. And I think Jokic deciding to sign for five years, 264 million was like, okay, he wants to be in Denver. Good. We can wipe the slate clean. No massive change of the landscape of the NBA, all that stuff. Unless Kevin Durant ends up on the, on the nuggets, which nuggets can make the trade happen it just just seems uh highly highly unlikely just because of kevin durant's desire to play with uh, the denver nuggets but you could build a trade michael porter jr and eight first round picks or four firsts and four pick swaps or you trade jamal murray to someone else and you get a bunch of picks going to brooklyn or whatever they end up doing to to put kevin durant with Jokic and aaron gordon or whatever the trade ends up being but Anyways, what I wanted to talk about within the context of that is, uh, well, I was going to talk about that, but then I decided to pivot and talk about Zion Williamson. And Zion Williamson on the first or second day of free agency opening up, within the first 24 hours, let's call it, uh, Zion Williamson had agreed to a five-year, $241 million extension, rookie-scale deal with the uh, New Orleans Pelicans. It's either 31 or 41, but the point still stands. It's over $200 million, and people were talking about, would Zion take the qualifying offer and then hit unrestricted free agency in two years, but by virtue of taking the qualifying offer, it would force the Pelicans' hand and they would trade him to another team, and then he would immediately sign the long-term extension as soon as he got to the other team, and all of it was very convoluted and complex and could have been a workaround for Zion, but ultimately what we said when we talked about him, I think it was back in March, was that this was all going to be resolved as soon as free agency opened up, and Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were the big storyline, Beal and Levine and Jokic were talked about as like extension guys and free agents. So Zion kind of fell to the back burner a little bit, not just because Zion hasn't played in, in a year and a half, but also there were other bigger deals. Like you knew Morant, the rookie scale guys from the 2019 draft, Morant, 
and Zion and Darius Garland and I well RJ Barrett didn't get one but like guys like that you knew they were going to get the extensions and it's more of a formality every year when the guys who finish their third year get long-term contract extensions but this resolved itself very very quickly in the same way that like after Luca got eliminated from the playoffs last year it was like I want to re-sign but I also think the organization needs to do some stuff to help and then he took the money and we didn't hear anything else about Luka Doncic and dissatisfaction with how the Mavericks were making decisions because what did Dallas do Dallas fired Rick Carlisle and they got rid of their um, effective general manager. It wasn't exactly their general manager, but got rid of the guy who had been running the team for 15 years. And they got rid of the 15-year-long coach as soon as they signed Luca to the long-term extension. And so by virtue of that, the same thing is now happening with Zion Williamson. Zion Williamson didn't like the, or I guess didn't have the greatest relationship with Stan Van Gundy, and now Willie Green is the coach, and there's not really a lot of talk about Zion Williamson and Willie Green either way. And the main point that I focused on when we talked about Zion last time was, I don't know Zion Williamson. None of us know Zion Williamson. All we know is that Zion wanted to go to the New York Knicks, presumably on draft day, and then he ended up in New Orleans, and he's an incredible basketball player. Started in the All-Star game at 21 years old, and there was the thing about C.J. McCollum not hearing from Zion within two weeks of him getting traded to the Pelicans and he was rehabbing in Portland and there were questions about whether Zion had checked out or whatever the situation was. That's all we knew about the situation and there was really nothing talked about and nothing reported on the Zion Williamson front. And signing the long-term extension just signifies that whatever was there was not so egregious that it was going to deter him from delaying the big contract or not taking $70 million on the rookie scale extension. And it was interesting because this was a talking point for so long. And it was not like the front page burner news, but it was something that's like, first thing you say when you mention Zion Williamson, is he going to leave the Pelicans? instead of? And when he doesn't play, obviously... That's going to become a talking point. But even in the sports landscape now, we do a lot of talking about transactions. And I do it too because I still say the NBA regular season is irrelevant. If you like watching really, really good basketball, watching Zion Williamson dominate some scrubs and put up highlights is fun. I personally don't have the time for it. I can commit to basketball two months out of the year or three months out of the year because that's what my interest is in the regular season it has no relevance regardless of watching really, really good basketball, but there are other things I'd rather do with my time. And this is slowly becoming the case with football. I hit that place with baseball years ago where I just like doing other things with my time. And this is part of why sports now have a smaller, more diehard base of fans than they used to be when they had the near monopoly on uh, entertainment live broadcasts. I mean, they have it again now, but it, it was an entertainment live broadcast on cable television where there were only five, six channels and two of them had sports on, so you were watching a sports game. And that doesn't exist anymore. And you have more than niche fans now. There's only two national sports. It's football and basketball. Everything else has a niche fan base. Baseball is the third sport. They're clearly behind football and basketball in terms of like national levels of interest and so basketball drives conversation around the transaction and what I thought was interesting 
with Zion Williamson was that it was resolved and it was resolved quietly. And now the Pelicans are going to spend two or three years retooling around Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram. And because that's going to take two or three years, and because the Pelicans aren't the most interesting basketball team to watch, and because the NBA regular season is irrelevant, we're going to lack talking points around Zion for a while now because the extension is set in stone and Zion Williamson's team is now kind of retooling around him and we don't know if and when he's going to be healthy enough to play basketball again. And... I think from a story, because remember, the thing I say all the time is that sports revolve around stakes and storylines. That's how interest is drawn into sports. You create stakes and you create storylines. If the Pelicans are going to spend two years trying to get to a place where if Zion, I mean, we just talked about it with Anthony Edwards. If Zion Williamson is a generational star, and I'm calling it the Luka Zion generation or the Luka generation or whatever it is. If we feel certain that that Zion Williamson is, if not a generational star, future most valuable player candidate, one of the three best players of his generation, a generation that has him and Luka and Trey Young and John Morant and Ant Edwards and LaMelo Ball, and I guess Darius Garland now is in the mix as like a third tier guy with the Cavaliers. If they get to a place where... They can build a team around Zion, and Zion hits his peak, and he's winning MVPs or finishing top three in the MVP every year, and he's a modern Shaq or a modern Joel Embiid or whatever you want to call Zion Williamson. If he gets to that place, it's going to take the Pelicans two or so years to tool around them. And C.J. McCollum is a nice piece. Jonas Valanciunas is a nice piece. They just, we've talked about this before, they are complementary pieces that make up for the fact that the Pelicans effed up royally with all of those draft picks and players that they got for Anthony Davis. Like, they got Zion Williamson with their own pick. That didn't even require the Lakers to trade the rights to Zion Williamson. What the Pelicans walked away with was Brandon Ingram and the equivalent of, like, four first-round picks and a couple of pick swaps but basically they walked away with the equivalent of Brandon Ingram and four firsts and they gave away Lonzo Ball for nothing they used Josh Hart and and one of those picks to go get CJ McCollum Uh, they got Eric Bledsoe in the Drew Holiday trade and then flipped him for essentially a pick swap and all those picks didn't really go to anything they drafted or they traded the pick that became DeAndre Hunter they drafted Jackson Hayes and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Hayes is still on the team as a backup, and Alexander-Walker is no longer on the team. Uh, Kyra Lewis Jr. was a, a top 13 pick who's no longer on the team as a bust. Uh, the New Orleans Pelicans traded back and let Memphis take Zaire Williams. I don't know who they got with the 17 pick, but maybe that person turns into something. Um, the Pelicans have had tons of opportunities, and it feels like those picks have gone to waste. And what they need, I guess, they they did it with C.J. McCollum, is like getting a third-tier player or a fourth-tier player like a Rudy Gobert or a Bradley Beal, who they were in on the mix with. But like what we just talked about with uh, with Minnesota is and Utah, is if C.J. McCollum is your third-best player, then you are maybe good enough to make the second round of the playoffs. It all depends on how good your best player is which in this case it's Zion Williamson, and 
He hasn't been on the floor in a year and a half, but we know when he's on the floor, he is a generationally great player for a generation that hasn't quite hit its prime yet. You know, Luka's not even in his prime yet. Trey Young's not. John Morant's not. As as Giannis and Joel Embiid and Anthony Davis and uh, and Jokic age out, those players will start to. And Jason Tatum is in this group too. Jason Tatum's going to start to uh, land at the top of MVP votes, and Luka's going to win an MVP, and Tatum's going to win an MVP, and John Morant's going to finish in the top three of MVP voting. It might be two, three years from now. But we're headed towards that place, and Zion's right at the top of that group as long as he plays basketball. And so that's a storyline you can drive, but it's a storyline that's going to build over two, three years. And unless you really, really like watching Pelicans basketball and really love the intricacies of watching Zion play, because I feel this way with Giannis. Every now and then, if I'm going to watch an NBA game, I want it to be a Bucks game because of just how good Giannis Antetokounmpo is. And that's not to say other people aren't also great. It's just I love Giannis Antetokounmpo's game. I love Kawhi Leonard's game. And those players are ones that I'll turn on in interest. So unless you're one of those people who finds the storyline of watching Zion Williamson and, and the X's and O's of basketball to be interesting, it's hard to find new storylines around the Pelicans now. And I think that's why we kind of talked about Zion in the transaction mode more than we did because this is someone who should command the same amount of publicity as Luka Doncic and Ja Morant for the incredible skill of basketball they display and someone who is about to become one of the faces of the next generation of the NBA along with like we mentioned the Minnesota's hoping Anthony Edwards becomes that guy and they're hoping LaMelo Ball in Charlotte becomes one of those generational top seven players we're starting to see now who those players are and last year it was Luca in the 2018 class and then this year it's Ja Morant Zion and Darius Garland and the next year's class it's going to be Ant Edwards and LaMelo Ball and uh, also from 2018 it's Trey Young who got that long-term extension those are the seven players that will be the equivalent of this generation. Like the, the players drafted between 2018 and 2021. So I guess you could put Jalen Green in the mix, but players drafted between 2018 and 2021, those are the generationally great players. It is Luca, it is, or I guess you could go back to 2017 with Tatum, but Tatum's a little bit of a tweener. Like you could put those, that group of eight players in the group that from 2013 to 2017 was the top of the draft class. So you could go to Giannis, uh, guys who are all-stars every year, Giannis. Uh, you could go to Jokic, Embiid, Anthony Davis, Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns. Those players are the ones who are the eight that we just mentioned from the next generation, which is Luka, Trey Young, and Dar- uh, Darius Garland, Zion, Ja Morant, getting there, Anthony Edwards, and LaMelo Ball. And all of those players command rookie scale extensions, and all of their teams are hoping that those players are the one. Now, the one is probably going to be Luka. Luka is, I've said he's going to win multiple MVPs at points here down the road. And those are the players that everyone's hoping develop into an MVP or someone who finishes top five in the MVP or under the best of scenarios can be the best player on a championship team. Every team that has one of those players is putting themselves in a position to when those players hit their primes, they can be the best players 
on championship teams. And the Pelicans are positioning themselves in that direction over years. And unless you're really, really interested in watching the Pelicans play basketball, it's going to be hard to keep the storyline up as we keep going along over the next few years. But it's going to be really interesting to watch them retool and reshape that roster. They have all those draft picks still. They just need to find, I guess, what Minnesota did, which was Rudy Gobert. But Minnesota's banking on if Anthony Edwards can become as good as Luka Doncic, then we can win a championship with the roster that we've constructed over the next three years. And uh, the Pelicans are kind of banking on the same thing with Zion. We just kind of convinced ourselves over uh, many, many months that uh, Zion Williamson might not want to play for the Pelicans and Knicks fans would find a way to get him like he wanted to have him on draft day so it was interesting to watch it play out now we have to find new storylines around Zion Williamson and uh, it's going to be hard because it's going to be a long winding road for the Pelicans maybe in the meantime we could just invest in storylines with other teams or not watch basketball I like watching basketball it's just the regular season is irrelevant Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast. We have episodes every single day, Monday through Friday, as well as Wired Up this Sunday. It was with Morgan from Australia. It was much appreciated. I guess today's 4th of July, so I guess also enjoy that uh, that 4th of July feeling. It's going to be nice, I guess. (laughs) I guess it's going on right now. You might not be listening on 4th of July. Wednesday. Second episode, Fall of the Spurs Dynasty. It's a documentary podcast series we're doing. The first episode's out now. There's a link in the description to this episode for its own individual feed, or you can just go back to Wednesday of last week on this podcast to listen to the Fall of the Spurs Dynasty. I'm super excited. We got hundreds of people to listen to the first episode. I'm so stoked about that, and uh, I'm really excited to, to make the second part of the series as well, which I've pretty much made most of it already. It's just putting the first part together and such, but I'm very, very excited to share the second part. It's going to be on Greg Popovich. It's been a lot of creative fun for me to make. I like being creative. That's, that's a lot of what this show is. And it's a lot of what I like doing in, in the Instagram space and the Twitter space and, uh, you know, now turning it into audio visual mediums and all that stuff. So thanks for stopping in everybody. Take it easy. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.